Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. Today, I am your host, Matthew Gatos, and I am joined by three friends. We've got Sari Riley. Hello. Nicole Sweeney. Hello. And Marianne Fernandez-Silva. Hi. Today we are gathered here to discuss the 2001 movie, On the Line, which uh, is stars Lance Bass and Joey Fatone of NSYNC. Uh, and I will admit, starting in off, that uh, not only am I the one who picked out this movie, but I also uh, paid for this <laughs> DVD from Amazon because there's apparently no other way to watch this movie anywhere. So I had to uh, purchase it and pass it around for everyone to watch. But before we get into talking about the movie, we need a 60-second uh, plot dump. And I think i got to go with Nicole. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember any of their names. Uh, Kevin. Kevin is one of them. Okay. And Abby, I think. Yeah, I mean he doesn't know it for most of the movie, so yeah, yeah. we don't really need to know. know. That's a girl from yeah. Entourage. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, are you ready? Damn it. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that means yes. Yes. <laughs> all right, and go. So, Lance Bass is in high school at the beginning of the movie. He's in a band, rock band, as he tells us repeatedly, with uh, Joey Fatone and some other random guys. Uh, but then he stops being in a band because he gets very embarrassed because a girl doesn't like him. I don't know. And so then he grows up and he works at an ad agency and he is boring, but he works at an ad agency. <laughs> and then he meets the girl from Entourage on the L, and she's like the most basic of Manic Pixie Dream Girls, but he's like obsessed with her. And then he learns to communicate so he can win her. And then uh, he plasters ads all over Chicago. And then she's like, wow, I, I do love you. I skipped some stuff where his friends suck. But <laughs> we'll get into that. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, that's it. That's the movie. Yeah, good. Five <laughs> seconds to spare. Yeah. I was actually uh, thinking about that. I was like, yeah, this movie does not take 60, 60 seconds to yeah. Because... I was like, oh no, I don't want to do I was like, originally, like, can I argue my way out of this? But then I was thinking about it, and I was like, there's really, nothing happens. There's yeah. not much. Like, there's not much there. You got the main plot points of like, he's a boring ad agency man, mm -hmm. he meets a girl on the train, mm -hmm. he puts up some flyers to try and find her, and then for an hour, not much happens. Yeah. And then yeah. they find each other, and the movie ends. Yeah, I, yeah, He like, he has no... Nobody in this movie really has any discernible personality. Mm -mm. I mean, Joey Fatone's character <laughs> a little bit gets yeah. a weird arc. Yeah, that yeah, we, yeah. Doesn't really pay off at all. No. But as far as like some interesting characteristics of someone, he has maybe the He's most. He's the closest to being a whole human being. To be fair, one of those characteristics is farty. <laughs> Like, yeah. The other is kicks amps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They aren't um, necessarily good. Like, yeah, I, deep well, qualities. I, I, said, I said closest to being a whole human yeah. being, not like actual whole yeah. human being. Yeah. But he's like 70% of a person. Yeah, yeah. I'll give him that. <laughs> I, I think the other ones are just generic flat archetypes, maybe. Yes. There's yeah. like plot point douchebag friend. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's like Question. maybe from Brooklyn, but also Chicago. <laughs> also maybe the worst. Yeah, also maybe the worst. And then stuck up friend. And then stuck up prep friend. Yeah, that's yeah. Like the newspaper. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's how you can tell. You know. Is he wears sweaters and He's reads the newspaper. read a newspaper. That's so. yeah. And takes newspapers to bars. And meets girls with books at bars. Yeah. <laughs> he recognizes uh, the title of a book. Yeah, I think the main like crux of this movie is basically all it takes to fall in love is that you need to have one shared interest. Yes. Yes. And yes. one weird talent that you yes. sort of share. Yeah. Because yeah. the when they meet on the train, it's basically, you like Al Green? I like Al Green. Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah, so does everybody right. on yeah. the freaking planet. This is the thing. Like, it hinges on, like, that's a very common thing in, like, in rom-coms. It's a very common thing, especially with, like, the whole idea of, like, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope. Like, both of those things, like, that idea of you have one common thing, Super, yes, that is how this story always plays out. That's also how high school works for a lot of us. Yeah. But these guys are not in high these school. These are, like, the most no. basic iterations of it, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, like as like you were just saying, like, the fact that their shared interest is Al Green and their shared yeah. skill is uh, slightly less basic, but still not that Yeah, it's uncommon. not like, oh, you're super into Morrissey? Me too. <laughs> it's like, oh, you like the most, like, basic R&B music that everyone enjoys. Yes. No one's like, fuck Al Green. Right. He right. sucks. Right. right. <laughs> no one has ever said that sentence. Before just now, <laughs> and no one ever will again. Yes, <laughs> they also like the Cubs. Yeah. Super oh, unique. Oh, Super unique oh, for the cringiest, the cringiest conversation. Like so shocked, you like the Cubs? <laughs> what? Oh my god! And then they refer to them as the Cubbies. Uh, is that, is that like, a thing wait, that people do? Wait, that? what's what's your favorite? Or what's your worst Cubs moment? Is a thing he asked her to, yeah, to yeah. recite, and they both just have one. Offhand, yeah. Nicole, you have so been a Cubs fan for a lot of your life. What's your least favorite Cubs moment? Do you have one? Well, okay. You do. I- <laughs> this movie is genius. <laughs> Coming back around. Uh, so before we dive too deep into the awfulness that is uh, this movie, I want to get some stats out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing, this movie apparently cost $16 million to make. Nick just if dropped heard, something. like a clunking noise in the background. <laughs> Nick was on Nick Twitter and then up. he just stopped yeah. Twitter entirely. Well, because I also know that recently Nick was tweeting about how Tremors only cost $11 million and he was amazed by that. Oh, and Nick this is crying now, guys. Nick more. is crying. <laughs> I like this commentary of what Nick is doing. Yeah, yeah. This podcast is now going to be us describing the actions of the man in the corner. <laughs> Pay lots of attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah. Uh, but yes, this movie cost $16 million, which I have to believe went into a lot of like the cameos and oh, yeah. the paychecks for the actors quote unquote actors um, <laughs> because you have really weird cameos throughout this movie of mm-hmm. Sammy Sosa you have Al Green you have the wrestler China you have <laughs> TRL you have most of NSYNC mm-hmm. in this movie so I am imagining a lot of that money went to pay these people but I also yeah. don't know where the rest of that money went yeah I'm very confused because the, most of this movie is shot indoors right yeah in like in just random houses and ad agencies and then occasionally on the L train. Yeah. But they probably had to rent that for like a day or two to shoot on all those scenes. So I don't know where $16 million goes. I just double checked to Crossroads, the other other pop star yeah. movie of this era, which came out 2002, a year later, uh, was $12 million. Was less. Right. <laughs> so yeah, which like... makes sense because I think like that movie... 
also doesn't have a lot going on, right, like right. visually or like with set pieces or anything. Yes. But this movie looks cheaper Where than is Crossroads. That extra, yes. Yeah. It looks way cheaper. That's yes. That's what I was getting at yeah. with that. Where, where, and where did that extra $4 million go? Well, I can tell you where <laughs> some $4 million went because go that's on. all they oh. made at the box office was, oh. four, was oh, wow. $4.3 million. Wow. Wow. And uh, yeah. Not great when you make yeah. a quarter of your budget back on this movie that should have a built-in giant audience yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. of NSYNC fans. Yeah. Like, Crossroads hangs on the fact that Britney Spears is the star. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why people went to see that movie. This movie is, hey, it's two of the guys, maybe not the two you want to see from NSYNC <laughs> in a movie. Want, let, go watch it, please. I was going to say, like, it was the... Not the, t- not the bottom, not the very bottom not of the, the barrel, very to be clear. The, but the very bottom of the lesser. barrel only shows up in the credits. <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor oh, Chris Kirkpatrick. But also, but also <laughs> the top. Totally like it but is. also like the, the top of the yeah. request for, so it's like both are there. Yeah, it's solid. It's the end solid, caps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, both, yeah. Both. Spoiler alert, they do show up at the very, very the end. Very, very Chris end. Kirkpatrick and Justin Timberlake show yes. up playing very like effeminate makeup hair artists. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not <laughs> good, but it maybe is one of the only genuinely funny moments in the movie. It's like you watch that and you're like, oh yeah, JT did a lot of SNL sketches. Aha, uh-huh. I yeah. get it. I get where this, they did that. Yeah. yeah. Makes there sense. There was one other moment that was funny <laughs> that I think maybe was intentionally funny, which was his boss. And like, maybe oh, I'm Dave assuming Foley. too much. I might be assuming too much of the movie, but it felt intentional. There is a bit at the beginning of the movie where his boss is basically explaining the concept of tweens to Lance. Yes. Which I yeah. thought which was a pretty like a early wink, wink, nudge, I nudge that moment was kind of from hilarious. the film that made yeah. me laugh. Which is, it's also a pretty early <laughs> use of the word tween, I yeah, feel like. Yeah, like 2001, yeah. I don't feel like I had really heard the word tween tossed around a lot. I, no, I, I definitely already. had. Yeah. 2001. I was yeah. trying to think. As, As a my tween first boy was, at the time, I didn't really <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Was when did I start shopping at Limited 2? Because mm, that is when yeah. I would have first heard that term was in conjunction with my Limited 2 shopping. You were yes. a girl on the move. <laughs> yes. You were going to so. When did I start having my mom shop at Limited 2? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh. So one more thing before we get into each other's like experience with this film because I'm very interested for Sari to talk yes. about her experience with yeah. this film. I can't contribute uh, to the conversation at all. Yes, so and, and that's like, why <laughs> I want to get you talking in this conversation. Yeah. So uh, the one last thing I want to add of a somewhat factual researchy note is I looked up Roger Ebert's review of this film Ooh. and it includes the agonizingly line. creaky movie that laboriously plods through a plot so contrived that the only thing real about it is its length. Wow, man! (laughs) You did not care for this film. Yeah, (laughs) that's a pretty sick bird. Yeah, it's so good. Good, but also good, and I can't disagree. Yeah, no, here's the lie. Yeah, no, it does not exist. (laughs) So I want to talk about our experiences with this film. Uh, If any of us have seen it before, uh, were we aware of it before watching it for this podcast? And also, in Sari's case. Who in this movie were we aware of before watching the film? So I'll start with mine real quick. Do you know why this movie exists? (laughs) Yeah. So I'll start with uh, my answer. I did know this movie exists. I had not seen it until buying it for this podcast. I remember trailers coming out for this movie um, and being like, oh, that's Chicago. Oh, that's NSYNC. I like both those things. But apparently, like most of the world, it did not convince me to go see it. Uh, So I didn't. I knew the basic premise was Lance Bass falls in love with a girl on a train 
and then something else happens. Uh, so I knew pretty much everything that happened in the movie, but that was my experience was pretty much I knew it existed. And then when we started doing this podcast, I was like, oh, I have the perfect movie. <laughs> so I picked it up and uh, now I subject, subjected all of you to it. And I apologize. Uh, so, Sari, yep. what is your experience with On the Line? Uh so I this is my only reference point going into it for NSYNC or Chicago in <laughs> both those things. Uh, I was born, I think, a little bit too late to hit the peak wave of Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, boy bands. Plus, I didn't listen to music a lot growing up, especially at that age. And so I was just unaware that they existed. The only thing that I knew about NSYNC was... Justin Timberlake and the It's Gonna Be May meme. And so I've heard that five second clip from It's Gonna Be Me in order to get the meme within the song. But like Marianne, after we watched the movie, did a crash course and we're like, here are some Backstreet Boys music videos. Here are some NSYNC music videos. I'd never seen any part of any of them. Oh, man. Uh, and so like... I watched the idea that NSYNC was just a meme to you is like <laughs> my, my world is just right, right, right. Um, not to interrupt you, but it was really funny. It was really cute. You were like, so wait, they're just guys, but do they play instruments? <laughs> and I'm like, no, there are no instruments. Yeah. There is some <laughs> basic dance when moves. When we say boy band, boy band, we really mean boy yeah. singers. Yeah. Yes. Okay, but if, if, if it's boys who are in a band and they, that's like 90% of the bands. <laughs> There's a specific genre to boy band of no instruments. Yeah. So this is like my first Which major boy precious. band experience too. So there's a lot going on. I didn't recognize anyone in the entire movie. At the credits, when they came up, I was like, okay, which one's Lance Bass? Which one's Joey Fatone? I gotta like read the credit to figure out which one's which. So I got that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Man. then I think when we watched the ex the end credit scene with Justin Timberlake, and like, I know that one. I was like, "Is that? <laughs> I recognize that face." But like all the other cameos that you mentioned, no idea who those people are. Marianne got excited a couple times, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> this means yeah. yeah." I was like, "Oh, that's China." Yeah, Ooh. yeah. This per she looks very strong. <laughs> so yeah, my lack of knowledge about pop culture, especially in this time, just made this a very I went in with fresh eyes, went out with fresh eyes. Yeah. I was yeah. say, was it just, did it come across then just as like generic romantic comedy for you? Yeah. Like there was no extra level of like, oh, but at least it's these guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no recognition for any of this. So it was just like, this, this is, is a generic movie. Yeah. This is just a weird, <laughs> bad movie. But knowing that famous people were in it, I was like, okay, I get why it could have been made. But. Yeah, my experience was not affected at all. It was just like, oh, this is a weird TV movie that is yeah. now. See, and like, I was so much in that like culture, like fifth, sixth grade hits, and I'm like buying every NSYNC CD, every Backstreet mm -hmm. Boys CD, every Britney Spears CD. So, like, that's that's why I knew about this movie existing was because like the fact that NSYNC was like making a movie essentially was a huge deal mm -hmm. to like me and my friends. I don't think any of us saw it, um, <laughs> but it's it was a big deal, and that's. The only thing that would have made me go see it yeah. was the fact these NSYNC members are in it. And yeah, it's... I was in first grade, so a wee bab. Yeah. <laughs> not conscious enough yeah. to do anything. That's not really besides. the age where you're like, 
got boy band posters on your wall. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Then on uh, the flip side of that knowledge spectrum, uh, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> Very much on the flip side. Yeah. What is your experience with I, On the yeah, Line? Definitely. I was like peak, you know. This is what I was in sixth grade, maybe when this movie came out. So yeah, right, right in the heart of you have a strong opinion about NSYNC versus Backstreet Boys. Uh, I say where you come NSYNC. down on the NSYNC. NSYNC. Yes. NSYNC. Okay, well. good. That's Ooh. the correct answer. All right, we okay. can still be friends. <laughs> Zary. <laughs> all right. That's okay. We can also That's still also be friends. That's also an acceptable answer. Yeah. <laughs> they both honestly sound the same to me. Uh, That's, so. That's for another time. Right, I think. Another time. Yeah. Another time. We're not here to. Convince you that NSYNC is better than Backstreet Boys, but Yet. we will try to pepper some of that in throughout this conversation. <laughs> yeah. I think. NSYNC yeah. has the meme, so yeah, they got the meme. Yeah, that's true. So that's, I uh, got that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one up. I, this movie, I remember the song really, really well. I also really loved Mandy Moore, mm. and so that she's on the she's on like the the title song, so that was really cool. I was like. When I was watching this, I kept like waiting for her to appear and then remembering that she was like an actual teenager at the time that this movie was made. Yeah. She got she was like 14, 15 when her when she got famous. So she was like still quite This was pre was, like, her being an actress. Yeah, well yeah, and she was like a decade younger than all of these yeah. people. So it would have been yep. legitimately awkward and weird. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a little weird if she would have shown up at all. It's like, "Hey you guys want to hang out?" No, yes. you're too young. Go away. <laughs> you're a child. Yeah. You should mm-hmm. be in school. <laughs> Uh, um, but yeah, yeah. That I, but I don't know. I don't like. I don't know why I didn't. Everything that you were describing, Matt, is like where I was at. I definitely knew that this movie existed. I remember seeing stuff about it on MTV all the time. Super into the song, and I don't know. I was washing my hair that weekend. <laughs> like I don't know why I missed this because it seems like something. Do you think it has to do with the fact that it was Lance and Joey? Oh, maybe. Because yeah. like, yeah. a lot of JC, people did have... Have been JC and Justin? Yes. 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 Oh, right? Yes. 100%. And a lot of people did have crushes there. on Lance back in the day. Mm-hmm. But like JC and Justin were the two yeah. that mm-hmm. everyone like really focused on. So yeah. yeah, I think if it was a movie starring Justin Timberlake and JC Chazé, like you get a lot more butts in the seats. It's true. But true. not with the uh, Joey and Lance. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Joey and Lance. Sorry yeah. to let you down. <laughs> But, I don't know. Uh, yeah, also, yeah, uh, as someone who lived in Chicago, <laughs> uh, we have that uh, special insight into this. How did you find the Chicago culture in this film? The constant discussion of the cubbies. I mean, to be clear, I didn't grow up in Chicago like right. you did. I, I like, you know, was born there, I have family there and stuff. So it's uh, not quite, probably not quite as like upsetting as it was for you, but still very... It was just very much that, I don't know, that thing of, like, it it reminds me of, it's like, I guess, hmm, it's like the city equivalent of the, the, like, how you doing today, kids meme, right? Like, how you doing today, Chicagoans? Like, that. Well, I also looked up, and, like, the two guys who wrote it are from Boston. (laughs) So, like, it's written as, like, a weird love letter to Chicago in certain scenes, but in like a very poorly constructed love letter and because why? like there's no it doesn't no. need to exa- make the there, movie in Boston. Yes. And that's the thing is like beat fever pitch to the punch there. Like right. get to it. Right. And there's so many things in here that uh, we'll get into this too of like subplots that don't matter at all. And they just have whole scenes about these things that don't have anything to do with the main plot. But they had to fill time. So let's just talk about Chicago for five minutes. And I don't know, one, when this movie's taking place, 
in like time of year because mm-hmm. it jumps between cold and hot <laughs> within them like they're like it's baseball season because they go to a game but then two days later they're outside in winter coats talking about like how cold it is and i'm like okay when in baseball season is that the, the very beginning i guess uh, I yeah know. or the very very <laughs> end the, yeah. which, which the cubs are no, not yeah, gonna be yeah, in no, no, at sorry. that time but yeah i marianne what is your <laughs> history with on the line i Kind of in the same boat as both as both the, like Matt and Nicole in that like I knew that this movie was out. I was more of an InSync fan. I loved InSync. I also accepted ninety eight degrees. That's fine. Accepted is a good word. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, that, that's that's fine. They come on the TV. You're like, all right. I will not no. change the channel. You're no. okay. <laughs> I didn't know that they existed until Marianne told me that there was a third one. Oh, there's more. There's a lot more. We got O-Town. We got BB Mac. We got... That's maybe it. If you want to get a little more alternative, you got LFO. LFO. Oh, there we go. That's what I was trying to think of. Do any of these ring any bells? No. All right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, But, like, I distinctly remember thinking, oh... It's those two. Mm. <laughs> if it were if it were JC and Justin, I would see it. But meh. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think so. This came out in two thousand one, and that would have put me like in like eighth grade, going into freshman year in high school. So it's very likely that like at that point, I felt like, oh, I'm growing a little over this. Because then mm. in high school, you do reach that age where you're just like those things I was into when I was in sixth grade. What a dummy I was! Yeah, <laughs> right. Like yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. thing is that yeah. like eighth going into high school, I was like, well, no, I'm going into high school. I need to listen to other things now. Yeah. I'm an adult, mm. so it's possible that that was also going into in my head at the time and why I didn't see it. Meh. Yeah, <laughs> I just I knew it existed. Like when you sat on the line, I'm like, no, I know it exactly what you're talking about. Didn't <laughs> never saw it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it. I had never heard anything about it from anyone. Like I never heard anyone like have a secret like love of this movie until like until I tweeted, you tweeted about it. I tweeted about this last <laughs> night. Well, because first I had to tweet about because the moment I put the DVD in, <laughs> the menu pops up and it's like standard weird slideshowy like '90s movie DVD menu. But there's a map <laughs> on the screen of Chicago, mm-hmm. kind of. And in this map of Chicago, there are like Chicago landmarks like the Sears Tower, Navy Pier, Wrigley Field. And then there's also landmarks like the ad agency and their apartment and this kind of thing. And this obviously is only going to bug me and like five no. other people. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Nicole's one of those five. <laughs> is that this map of Chicago that they have, it's laid out like the, the train stops in Chicago, is so wildly inaccurate that it's frustrating. And it gave me a really bad taste in my mouth to start off this experience because simple enough things of like the Shedd Aquarium is on the west side of town, which is the furthest part away from the lake. When in actuality, Shedd Aquarium is on the lakefront. They put Navy Pier north of Wrigley Field, which just, no. And so it's like, just that of like, okay, so you made a movie set in Chicago and took zero care to even make the DVD menu look accurate. That Yeah, that that is the thing that annoys me about it for reasons wholly independent, like whatever to the, sh- like from Chicago, but just like why have this design element of this fake subway map or metro whatever l map like why why have this design element and not put any thought 
into the execution of this design element. Like yeah. that is the that is the thing that I find so like you pick out very specific it. Chicago things like Sears Tower, <laughs> O'Hare Airport, Shedd Aquarium, which is like if it was involved in the film, sure, toss it in there, but it's not at all. So you're picking out these things and you're just like throwing them at a map. Yes, and you're like, just like, yeah, that works. Popular sites in Chicago, and then like yeah. uh, Drew, they basically were like, "Here's like where we want to place some lines. Like this is <laughs> this is the aesthetically pleasing placement of lines, and then now we're just gonna sprinkle this list of popular yeah. Chicago attractions." It did make me though like want to watch the movie with like a more critical eye of like the ad agency and their apartment oh, and all that yeah, stuff yeah, and see how close they got mm-hmm. those things mm-hmm. on the map of mm-hmm. like, well, is the ad agency actually downtown or is it over mm-hmm. on because the it's west? Matter, because the rest of the map defies all logic. So you couldn't, <laughs> you actually couldn't track those things. That is true. Because they're, they're not situated relative, like, relative to anything real. What's amazing to me is like, a map is something you can Google very easily. <laughs> like, you can just like cut and paste yeah. from a Wikipedia article or whatever, like some sort of or or if it's 2001 image. or 2000 you could just ask Jeeves Jeeves yeah. will tell you, hey, you know, Jeeves, is Navy Pier north of Wrigley Field? <laughs> no, no. Oh, I'm going to put it there anyways it looks prettier uh, so yeah it started off with that and then the first thing we get into in this movie is it, it, we're back to 1994 and aka when Sarah was born yeah it was like spring 1994 yeah. I was like guess who was just born me <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in the movie, we have our characters graduating from high school, celebrating mm-hmm. their high school graduation, and that's the aforementioned rock band mm-hmm. that they are in. Hardcore where, rock band. Oh, they, they say that, but they're singing Two Princes by the Spin Doctors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and not well. And just, it was so, the, like, that open opening narration was just so ridiculous and, like... It's the worst piece of exposition I've seen in a while. It of, was, like, trying to establish Lance Bass's character, Kevin, as, like, an awkward guy who can't talk to women it's the only reason that scene yes. exists yes but it's like they they tell it as like it's this great story that they've been telling for seven years since it happened and it's literally he sang on a stage saw a cute girl in the in the crowd and she was with another dude and like didn't sing the ballad <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the what, end he that's chose it. not to sing the ballad yep oh yeah. well yep what I, that was that was what that was the moment that i wrote down can't tell if serious because of the, <laughs> like, the style of that opening narration i couldn't tell if this was like if his lines were supposed to be being delivered in earnest or if there was a bit of like 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 tongue in cheek he thinks he yeah. thinks that he was in this like hardcore rock band but they're playing two princes and like i was trying to track it and i was like oh no this is meant to be very serious and earnest and i couldn't i was like several minutes into the movie before i was like oh okay yes that's how i was supposed to be reading everything that had just happened okay yeah i throughout this movie there's moments like that where the characters are like super serious about a thing and like joey fatone's character whose name I don't remember at all. Yeah. Um, Rod. I looked it up two, is it like, Rod? two minutes before <laughs> it's Rod. starting. He did look like he'd be a Rod. Yeah, he looked like a Rod. <laughs> um, a little bit like Guy Fieri as well. Um, <laughs> yes. But he is like, his dream is to be this rock star. He looks up to a guy named The Mick, who is played by Richie Sambora. <laughs> Yeah, Nick. And that's, only, that's, and only that's, refers to himself as the, the Mick. Mick. Yeah, not me. In the yeah, he talks in third person like Mick is here. <laughs> like, but that's like his hero. But also, he hates him. 
Who knows? But <laughs> Joey Fatone's character wants to be a rock star. And this is why we were talking about him earlier as like the only really kind of developed character is because he actually has like a dream mm-hmm. and he's trying to achieve this by like performing in a bar on a regular basis and sending his demo tape off to people. And it doesn't really go anywhere, but we at least get some insight into who he is. And the biggest conflict there for me was that he talks about this again, like hardcore rock band being a big rock star and da, 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 performing uh, Pour Some Sugar on Me and uh, like We Ain't Gonna Take It or whatever and like those songs I'm like alright and then the big moment comes mm-hmm. where we get to hear this song that's like his original music and throughout this whole movie we see him like jumping up and down this guitar kicking amps over being a rock star and then he sings his original song and it's the most in sync song like you've ever heard mm-hmm. it's just a standard pop ballad mm-hmm. yep. and yeah. i was very confused which yeah that's like that was a weird confusion of the movie that for the most part when they were building his character like you said aside from the high school scene like all of those bar scenes you sort of got okay i i get the the idea of the music that you create cool whatever but then because this is an nsync vehicle mm-hmm. essentially there are two big songs that were released around the time of this movie i mean whatever like that were intended to be promoted in conjunction with this movie that are like big pop songs and so like it just structurally fundamentally does not work whereas like the nature of crossroads for example like crossroads builds builds towards its big song that was released concurrent with the movie in a way that like makes sense like yeah yes and you even Mm -hmm. you do get in crossroads you have britney spears singing uh the the song (laughs) the the song that's not hers that's the one yeah yeah uh in that movie and it uh it works in a way because it's like a karaoke contest Yeah, yeah and so we don't like and she starts off singing madonna at the beginning of the movie so we like we get an insight into who she is and what kind of music she likes more so than like joey fatone we see the music he listens to and likes and then he creates something 180 degrees Mm -hmm. different from that Mm -hmm. for no discernible reason no like we're not given any like oh this is he just has a breath of of interest yeah (laughs) like it's not well because there's even a scene that is told in voiceover where it's like uh he's it's like a silent scene that he's talking over like and it shows him playing his original song for a girl like he's talking about i went back to her apartment i played her my new song and it's like in the thing he's jumping up and down and kicks an amp so hard that it hits her (laughs) breaks her nose and her ankle yeah and it's like is that the song you were performing yeah I don't know. Also, the song that made her fall in love with him? Question mark. Yeah. Very strange because she comes back and she's like, yeah. "Oh, this song." Well, I mean, she's 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 just like a throwaway zany character. Yeah. It's like the thing. So yeah. yeah. Felicity's roommate. <laughs> oh, is she from Felicity? That's uh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's the actress. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think was Felicity's roommate. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we need to get to the titular uh, on the line ness of this of like they are on the L line is the <laughs> is the point right mm-hmm. he's putting himself out of there on the line mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then also he was on the train line mm-hmm. the sure, double entendre yeah, mm-hmm. yeah kind of nah. not a good one <laughs> nah. but we need to get to that couple because I realized 
We've really ignored the main two people in this movie. Tone is the only one worth discussing. <laughs> it's much like our conversation about Dead Seven, the zombie movie the boy bands made, is Joey Fatone was the only good one. Yep. <laughs> the end. <laughs> to be fair, Joey Fatone is very talented. He's entertaining. And like, very yeah. engaging. Yeah. He's an he's yeah. an entertaining man. He's entertaining. He's so, very good at my big fat Greek wedding too. <laughs> Another movie I have not seen. But let's discuss Kevin and Abby. Who that's apparently their names. Yes. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> played by uh, Lance Bass and Emmanuel Emmanuel Shigri. Shigri. I, I don't do not know how to pronounce her name, uh, but yes, she is from Entourage. Mm-hmm. Uh, they meet on the train because he burst out into an Al Green song, mm-hmm. and then she has to ask him to move his bag off of the seat next to him so that she can sit down. And they find out they can both uh, say all the president's names. Yeah, which is, yeah, that's, we, we're starting to get to that too, which is another one of those things that's like, that's not like that, <laughs> like shocking. No, but whatever. they do say, like, I bet we're the only two people in the world who can name this. Mind you, at the same time, I was like, I was telling Sarah, I'm like, I have at least two, maybe three friends that can do that exact yeah. same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Devin can do that. I like, used I'm just... to be able to do that. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I would lose it. They're also the like yeah. historians out there yeah. Yeah. who yeah. study the presidents. Yeah. Well, they could definitely do that. They could yeah. probably yes. name all of them. Are you yes. in love with them too, Abby? <laughs> I, it's also like, it is my like least favorite of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl tropes, which is the idea that like any woman on mass transit would like to be spoken to by a straight like like we just like want to have a conversation no now to be fair don't she does reach out to him first she talked to him first she, and that was the most unrealistic yes. Right? Yes. Yes. that's what i mean that's yes. Yes. sorry yes yeah. to be clear that is yeah 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 yes yeah <laughs> like the fact that she would go up to a man who had just sung randomly and be like hey can you move your bag so I can sit next to you? That was one of the most unrealistic Never. things in this movie is like, I have ridden the L many, many times. Mm-hmm. Anytime you hear someone speaking to the train, you put your head down, yes. you look away, yes. you do not engage. Yes. Yes. And there are several moments in this movie where someone bursts out into song or starts talking to the train and everyone is focused on them. And yeah, listening and intensely. Stands and applauses. Like yeah. applause. Stand and applaud yeah. thing was... Bonkers no, it's to me. awkward Just, for no. everyone. Yeah. Yes. When you like, the you are social, trapped. The social contract <laughs> contract of mass transit is that we're going to be in a confined space and not acknowledge each other at all. Yeah. And yes. when people break that social contract by like forcing interaction upon everyone in this confined space, like it is awkward. It is uncomfortable, and you avoid those. People. Yes, yeah. and you do everything you can to shut that down. It Sometimes you get you. off at the, an earlier stop. Yeah, because yes. you're like, well, oh, oh, yeah. I can walk from here. Cars, uh-huh. like go get yeah. a fake phone call. <laughs> Anything. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, like that is the the really the only scene we get between them in this entire movie is the falling in love quotes scene uh-huh. because uh-huh. they like Al Green. They know the presidents. That's it. Later on, she has a shitty boyfriend who is businessman one in this movie mm-hmm. and just puts down what she's going to school for, talks through dinner on his cell phone about business things, and she decides, you know what, we should probably break up. And he goes, you know, but I have Al Green tickets. And she goes, <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> that was one of the most infuriating scenes to me. Is she, we get this big emotional buildup of like, oh, this dude sucks. Uh-huh. Look how much this dude sucks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He looks like a douche. Uh-huh. 
I like, and she gets up the nerve. She's deciding to end this. She's like, we need to talk about us. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, wait, first, here's some Al Green tickets. And she just smiles. And the scene ends. Yeah. Wow, this one gesture totally negates the entire relationship in which you've clearly never given a shit about him. Yes. Mm -hmm. And like literally says something about like her fossil hobby or something. And it's like, she's an archaeology student. Graduate school. Yeah. She she got an internship (laughs) at the Field Museum. Yeah. Graduate school, doing the Field Museum. And you called it her little dinosaur hobby. Yeah. Yeah. Fossil hobby, whatever. Just. And yet, like, the moment Al Green is introduced in this movie, it solves all problems. No. No. Uh, That's not how it works. Yeah. But I want to talk about some of these subplots in this movie. I think the biggest one... There are so many. There are a lot. Some that have no bearing on the main movie. But the biggest one, I think, that we haven't really discussed yet, but you mentioned in your plot synopsis of, like, his friends are shitty, Mm. is that for the bulk of the middle of this movie... It becomes a thing where he has put up these flyers to get the attention of this girl, uh, a newspaper reporter that we'll get to, uh, uh, writes a story about him, and everyone in the city suddenly knows him, and all of these women are trying to contact him because they think he's a sweet guy. There's no real explanation as to why suddenly <laughs> the entire city of Chicago is like, I must love this man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go on dates with him. Yes. Like, <laughs> and so he's getting so many phone calls Ugh. that he starts to suck at work, which is a whole other thing we could talk yeah. about why the work is important to this movie. But because he's getting so many phone calls, his friends decide to help him out and take some of these dates off of his hands. And they develop a whole system of all four of these guys taking certain girls out on certain nights of the week and all this stuff. And they're essentially just using his flyer to get dates for themselves and try to turn this into dating opportunities for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's so much of this movie. Yes. Yes. And also like, so part of the whole thing is that like, it wasn't just the flyers. It was that like, his high school rival, whatever, who cares. The writer of the article. Wrote, yeah, wrote and wrote the article but there's also a picture of him in the article. Yeah. So all of these women right. go on these dates and these do like these guys They should know they should walk in and go, You're not him. Keep mm-hmm. Yeah, they keep the facade that they are Kevin yeah. the entire time. <laughs> but no one is like, oh, you are definitely not Lance Bass. Like Right. Because none <laughs> of his friends look like him, even remotely. No. I also backing up like a tiny bit, he puts up a bunch of like a lot of billboards. That has to be very expensive. I well, th- the billboards came because he stole the Reebok ad. Yeah, that was my understanding is that yeah. maybe he either got the idea because of this or he straight up is going to get fired at work. Yeah, that's what I, <laughs> because I interpreted. Because towards the end of the movie, oh, okay. these flyers yeah, have not yeah. worked. There is an article written about him and his friends and how this whole thing's a scam. And so the girl gets upset. Um, and so his final act of love is to put up these billboards. But he gets that idea because uh, his uh, work colleague brings uh, him a thing and is like, hey, you're back on the Reebok thing. Can you finalize these ads? Because they're going to be on billboards all around the city. And then, then he like is like, aha, an idea. And the next thing we see is these billboards all around oh Chicago God. saying like, hey, it's the guy from the L train. Meet me on our stop at seven. Yeah. And I like, so, didn't even make that connection. Yeah. yeah. So oh I don't know. God. He either just got he the idea. He should be so fired. Yeah. He's, either, yeah. he's either so poor or so fired. <laughs> yes. He either spent every last dime he has because he got the idea for billboards existing um, to, to make his own. Or uh-huh. he literally like 
somehow stole that Reebok campaign Re- yeah. and put his own design for a billboard in no, there. No, but Re- well, Reebok loves his idea, believes in him. Yeah. Sometimes. He's yeah. like a real go-getter. Yeah. So he has real passion. Yeah. Reebok really needs somebody with his passion. Yeah. yeah. So Which, yeah. I, I, on that topic, like, his work life is a weirdly big part of this movie. Yeah. And has no bearing on anything else to do with this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, they show so much of, like, him and his boss, him and his coworker, him and the mailroom guy, that, like, most of it has nothing to do with anything. It doesn't make his character more interesting. If anything, it makes him less interesting because mm-hmm. he looks like he's really bad at his job mm-hmm. and gets assigned something just because he's a dude. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like... I don't know why the work subplot is there. I don't I feel like there is some contrived trying to build empathy for him as like so they took what otherwise yeah. was a good character. I don't remember her name, which is it, it's his, I think it was like Jackie. That sounds. Who is like his superior <laughs> in the ad agency and she was put on the Reebok campaign with him initially and was like I don't understand why you're heading this up. I am a senior to you. Uh we like I should have this. And then he pitches an idea about Reebok being for girls who move and have a girl at a soccer game and a girl at a concert. And they're all wearing Reebok shoes. Um, And then in the initial pitch meeting to Reebok, they pitch like a worse idea. And then Jackie. Yes. We're just going to call her Jackie at least. It is. That is correct. And then Reebok dismisses it. But then Jackie wheels in with his idea that she has stolen from him after telling him that it's bad. And I feel like that's kind I of why the ad agency exists. I do think we're supposed to get some empathy for him. Yeah. But it also, like, what I wrote in my notes was, this is the worst episode of Mad Men ever. I, I because would also... that's what it felt like in that moment. Is It was like, what? Like, none of this matters for his life outside of work. Yeah. I, I think it is badly executed, but I would argue that part of, like, the the premise here is that he is launching a series of ad campaigns to win back this girl. Yeah. Like they're not, they're not if like this is, it's a failing of the movie that this is not correctly articulated, but that to me is the purpose of like of the ad campaign. Like that there is actually, there is a little bit of a narrative purpose, which is to say he is, he works in advertising and is good at his job mm? um, <laughs> and will use, will apply his skills of being good at his advertising job to finding this girl somewhere in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, like well, that, also, that thread, like that link is there. It is the thing that pushes him over the edge to find decide to do it right. is when mm-hmm. she steals his idea he like is like yeah, I, you're right I do never I don't ever put myself out there I don't ever go for anything I don't ever speak up so I'm gonna speak up about this girl right mm-hmm. right and then he makes flyers that say on them because he's an ad man so clearly he writes a really good copy <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. it says yeah. are you her <laughs> We met on the L. Yeah. We talked about the presidents and Al Green. My name is Kevin, and my number is 555-8832. This is sort of like a bad movie staple, I guess, is like the idea, or not even just movie, but like bad storytelling thing, uh, which is the idea of having characters who are, are ostensibly very good at their jobs written by people who don't actually understand how <laughs> yeah. to do those jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And like that, like that's what's happening here. Like the idea Because the whole is beginning there. of this movie, until he gets screwed over by... Jackie like which in the also the like the fact that like we're not in any way engaging with the fact that like this newbie 
white guy is yeah. being promoted up to be an equal with this black woman who has seniority with him. Yes. But yeah, yes. he's yeah. the one who's being shit Not on. Not going to lie, yeah. like, even though she was posed to be like the bad vindictive. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, Go I'm Jackie. totally on your side. Yeah. Go Jackie. Well, and that's what it. In the first like 15 minutes of the movie before he gets screwed over, yeah. like that's all I could see was like, okay, he doesn't seem very good at this job. Like he seems distracted. His boss doesn't seem to like him. His superior seems very confident and good at her job. And you're right. It's not fair that he would be assigned to the same project as you. I'm on your side, Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. Jackie's got a point. And then that's why they have to make her screw him over, I guess, is to make her seem like the villain she's supposed to be from the beginning. Because she's not a villain at all. All no, in the no, beginning. No. It was actually really funny. So like at that, so towards the end, she already she gets like promoted to senior, and once she has her promotion, she's like, yeah. "All right, you can have this, the Reebok campaign yeah, back. You can work under me." <laughs> in my head, I was like, "Oh, she really just backstabbed him to get ahead." All right, that's fair. I'm back on board with her. She did a good job. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't dislike her as much as the movie I think wanted me no, to dislike no, her. I did not, not at ever, all, ever dislike Jackie. That yeah. was one of my only notes that I took was all caps. Oh no, they ruined their one good character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I made the choice to demonize her. I was like, why? <laughs> Leave Jackie alone. Jackie alone. <laughs> I, want so a, I want the story of Jackie, <laughs> power businesswoman in an yeah. ad agency. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I, I think the last thing I want to touch on was the last like little subplot that really like, I think it's the least amount of attention in the movie. And that is what we kind of brought up earlier is this ex high school rival one-sided high school rival because mm-hmm. I don't even think like he really knows he exists basically because the story is that what? like back in high school there was a girl that this writer whose name I don't remember uh, asked out to prom and she goes oh wait a minute and she turns around and immediately just asks Kevin to prom so the whole rivalry begins because he wants to ask a girl to prom she didn't want to go with him and she asked Kevin instead and so he has like has this vendetta against Kevin for their entire lives that leads to one of the only well shot inter- like like most ridiculous scenes. flashbacks though Are, but, is that what you're talking yes, about? Yes, really yeah. ridiculous flashbacks with literal flashes. That yeah, fair. <laughs> but like, there's like an interesting like theater thing that happens where like pieces of the set move around him and like yeah. he's transported to different places. I'm like, that's really interesting. It doesn't make any sense in this movie, and like his character gets nothing to do. Like he actually writes two positive, good articles about his arch rival. Like that's his getting back at him. Mm-hmm. Like he, we see him like plotting vengeance, and then the next thing we see is he wrote a really good article that makes everyone like this guy. I'm like, good job. <laughs> Sends his girlfriend question mark to go call the number and spy on him. Yeah. Too. And that's it takes all of that f- for him to actually get his revenge on him to write the bad article. Yeah. It's like yeah. he has to send his girlfriend in as like an undercover spy and then she ends up falling for Joey Fatone. Yep. Yeah. As you do. Yeah. As you do. <laughs> well, then we've discussed a lot of problems that this movie has. So I think it's time that we figure out how to fix it. If <laughs> any of us think that's possible at all, because the faces I'm getting now from you guys <laughs> is like, oh, no, I don't know how. So, Sari... Oh no! Let's start with you, master fanfic writer. I know. Yeah. See, that's the problem. Is I have not. I haven't given it enough thought to do it. I don't know if there's a way you can do manic pixie dream girl trope this way, good in any way. Besides, maybe leaning into what Nicole's first impression was and like make it a satire. 
altogether. Um, I don't know. I guess it would just be like, you would have to emphasize the fact that what he's doing is contrived and ridiculous and that like really emphasize the ad agency thing really emphasize the fact that he's really bad at his job there and so that he thinks that this is a good idea to get the girl and then i don't know i guess give him not... any character whatsoever yeah, essentially like yeah. make it fe- like make yeah. us feel with him of like mm-hmm. why he's making these decisions yeah i this is all very all very scattered but my impression of it with the way that they used sound effects in this movie, oh, yeah. like in a really ridiculous way. Mm-hmm. Was Random that it... like little Scooby-Doo type mm-hmm. noise is like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's like you turn your head and there's like a whoosh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Nick, Wink. Oh, yeah. For the reference, we keep getting looks from Nick because Nick did not watch this movie. <laughs> so the only like context he has is everything we're bringing up now. So it's like he's also listening to this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Having yeah. an experience. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so, like, so the combination of that, like, the smile and then a ding sound effect, or they had some weird cuts where it was, like, that ball hit him right in the, and then they cut to, like... Nuts? Who wants any nuts? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It felt like all that sketch comedy, almost, like that, like, early Nickelodeon when they still had actors in there. So, like, lean into that form of over-the-top sketch comedy have those writers handle the movie and make it about like this ridiculous over the top love story. And then she ends up like laughing it off that it's ridiculous. Then you don't think about where he got the money for the billboards. You don't think about how logistically any of this would have worked out. And then like she falls for him for a sense of humor or something like that. And I think if you really lean into, we're going to make the most ridiculous love story possible, then it won't be as painful. Like, yeah. said, like lean into it and make it like one of their pop songs. Like, mm-hmm. go the most basic pop song level you can and just like lean into all of that. So that was that. That is related to my biggest thing would be yeah. more music. Like you like to uh, inter- yeah. to weave in more. A, you stop making Joey Fatone's character this like rock star. You like <laughs> let him be a pop star, which is what he actually is. Um, that's you know that's that's what he's good at. Let him do that. <laughs> uh, make make use of his talents, but like leaning into it and maybe interweaving more like big musical moments around it too. Like I think I think that is. Uh, I don't have anything more to add. Basically, basically everything Sari said, but like with music <laughs> yeah. is, I think the 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 correct way to do that. Although to the point of leaning into it, this is another thing that you see a lot of rom coms will do that with like narration or something like that, which like ha- gives it this feel of you are watching a contemporary fairy tale because that is what rom coms are, right? Like it is like it's Cinderella modernized mm-hmm. <laughs> or something to that effect is like the structure of a great many rom coms, and so like finding some way to lean into the fact that like you are asking the audience to suspend a lot of disbelief like this is a a quote-unquote real world but it is a a very fictional world the very fictional world of a rom-com and like you have to find some way to set that up for your audience that like this is this is an over-the-top version of quote-unquote reality and that would be good yeah. like if he's like hanging up the posters and the rest of time has stopped or something like yeah. that he's singing pop music to yes. himself mm-hmm. or yes. like he like yeah. makes it to the subway platform and sees her again time stops and he just like goes into this song about her yeah that'd be hilarious and i would love this one well, yeah. and it would tap into like the whole like weirdly hinted at thing of like 
Kevin was in this band back when they were in high school, but he like quit the band mm-hmm. and like Joey Fatone's character kind of resents him for that mm-hmm. in only mm-hmm. like one line of the movie. He mentions yes. that resentment. Yeah. And so it's clearly a, a, a thing where like the other guys quit this band. But if like if you sneak in moments like that of like, but the music is still inside of them. It's hard. Yes. Like, yes. And like have them reunite at the end of the movie. Yeah. To win her back. Like yeah. to win her appreciation and affection. Have them go perform an Al Green song at a Cubs game. It, or, like literally <laughs> like, any yeah. give any other reason for introducing the fact that Lance Bass was in this band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. no we don't revisit that at all. Yeah. Uh, I would accept like get the boys back together to um, woo the girl. Yeah. yeah. Like big, even if they big grand gesture. Even if it's like a dumb idea and we all like this is a really bad idea. Like if they think it's a good idea, right. like man, she's, we just can't get through to her. What if we get the band back together? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then yes. the Mick helps them out. Yes. The, Mick, the Mick gets them on TRL. Yes. yes. And she watches TRL because mm-hmm. she's a girl in the early 2000s and we all watch TRL. Sure. I mean, um, she's like a grown adult. In the yeah. I don't know what adults were doing know. back then. <laughs> Maybe they were watching TRL. Who knows? But no. Nick says no. Nick says no. All right. No. Um, but have that be the thing of like throw them on TRL and have her catch them on like walking uh-huh. past the TVs. Like oh, uh-huh. that's the that's the guy I saw on the train once that I love now. I like yeah. the idea instead of like fil- like putting them into a Cubs game randomly because that's a more ridiculous and yeah. b like you already had Sammy Sosa. You in did there. have Sammy sure. Sosa as well. Sure. Just commit to the yeah. bit. Man. Yeah, yeah. Take it. Take it all the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there any, I think we all had like little fixes there that I don't. collaborative. Yeah, it's a collaborative fix. Uh, I don't really have anything else to add specifically. Like, I don't think there's a lot to save in this movie unless you change it as drastically as we just did. Correct. Like, it needs a lot of writing help. Like, there are many moments where I'm just like, you, all you characters have zero chemistry. I don't understand why you're friends. I don't understand why you're in love. Mm -hmm. I don't understand any of these relationships. Uh, other than like, yeah, the boss, like he kind of comes off in a really funny way and I get his character, yeah, like, right. but fun. that's also Dave Foley being good. <laughs> like, <laughs> whereas the, most of the people in this movie are not really actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I will say the one thing aside from just leaning into the camp and fixing like the structure of the movie, <laughs> maybe iron out your script beforehand because there were many <laughs> moments where they clearly like dubbed for PG rating. Yes, I don't know if you guys. I, I looked that up. Time. This they made this. They wrote it as an R-rated movie. Yeah, <gasps> as an R-rated yes. movie. I didn't realize there's an R-rated. Yes. There are multiple times in this movie where like a guy is saying like, "Well, we really fucked him over," but they like or like even screwed him over in a couple cases, and they were like, "We really messed him over." Yeah, and it's like that's yeah, not yeah, a thing yeah, anyone yeah. says. Yeah, or they're like funny. clearly oh someone says like. I can get his ass now. And I mean, like, and they didn't it reshoot it. They, no. an they just dubbed rating. over. Does that mean that there are like actual whole scenes that are? I think removed? some of this was fixed in the script. Like some of it, they were like, okay, so it's R-rated. If we're gonna have the in sync guys in this, this is for a younger audience. Okay. Let's rewrite some of this. Got so maybe it. they like brought it down to a PG thirteen, yeah. and then they're like, no, 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 it needs to be PG. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So maybe it shot a like PG thirteen. Yeah. 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 That's then, probably okay. because there's okay. definitely a lot of dubbing in this movie. That if you look at it is covering up swear words. Like, uh-huh. they say yeah. butt instead of ass. They say messed instead of, like, screwed or fucked. Like, it's, like... Very obviously, too. It's, like, it's oh, very bad. am I watching this on TBS? No. <laughs> my no, favorite no. DVD. My yes. favorite dubbing, though, was when Joey Fatone works in the words on the line. 
he, they're like at the bar and he says like well now that you put yourself on the line and it's like he clearly did not say that in the script like in the like his lips do not match his words so he's probably like now you put yourself out there but then they were like well we got to call the movie something let's call it on the line and then we needed one of our characters to say the title of the movie at some point so it makes sense naturally the so movie I'm, was originally going to be called out there but then they realized oh that's the song from five from american yeah. Yeah. Like, can't do that everyone will want to see five instead um, real good yeah <laughs> yeah also one small fix take out the line pork happens oh yeah because Agreed. there's a scene Agreed. where he has Agreed. lunch with a vegetarian and she's like is this pork and he goes well pork happens oh. and that's not a joke no that's not no. a thing that's not yeah. a play on words no. that's nothing that's nothing nope. take it out <laughs> so <laughs> that's what ran, that's like the rant that matt was building this real spinning his wheels this movie is perfect except for pork happens. <laughs> take it out mm-hmm. and you have citizen kane <laughs> um, uh, so speaking of our strong strong love of this movie we've mm-hmm. got to rate it mm-hmm. and we all have our uh, rating system so let's start with my, one of my favorite rating systems and that is Sari's yeah. uh, Sari how do you rate on the line <laughs> so my rating system's really contrived it's if I could take every copy of the movie to exist and throw it in a trash can what trash can would I throw it into uh, because there's good trash and bad trash and this, like, honestly, because I didn't go into it with any expectations or any knowledge, it was, it made me really ambivalent throughout it. Uh? <laughs> <laughs> so it can just go in, like, a Chicago public trash can. <laughs> the city that it's filed. Yeah. Just, like, one of those street trash cans that, like, fast food goes in, other stuff. <laughs> Won't want to pull anything out. Gonna go to a city dump. But... Then it can lay, be laid to rest in the city that it defiled. Uh, <laughs> I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. I like that that's a lot. Good. Nicole. Uh, I use an enjoyment scale, uh, sunglass wearing emojis out of five. I I don't know. Two and a half. Like, it was fine. I Like, I didn't have a miserable time. I didn't particularly enjoy myself either uh, uh yeah. it was fine all right marianne uh my rating system is screeching tea kettles which is time that i want spent away from this movie and just general lack of enjoyment or offense um i'm gonna go with like i'm gonna say like two and a half right. i was like meh i didn't like it but well, it, it wasn't even like offensive. It wasn't offensive, and I wouldn't like burn my mouth over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not. You're like, I need tea right now. I have to get away from this thing. I would rather be suffering. Like, I, yeah, no. I pour the thing. kettle directly in my mouth. <laughs> That's not this. This is like, eh, I'll like forget to watch this movie and get up and walk away. Yeah. Sure. A couple no, times. Next week. Oh, oh yeah. No. Oh. Okay. oh yeah. It's next week. <laughs> Spoilers. Am I on next week's? <laughs> You'll find out. Uh, no. Anyway. Oh, yeah. My rating system is also an enjoyment scale, and it's the possessed mushroom puppet scale uh, out of five. And I, uh, I'm also going to give this a two out of five. It's kind of like, like you guys said, it's not the worst thing. It's not offensive, but also didn't really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I own it now. <laughs> so that's a choice you've made. Yeah. There is a director's commentary that I'm fascinated by. And might listen to it at some point, yeah. mm-hmm. but like 
I might figure out a way where I can like rip that and listen to it like a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't want to like have to watch it again. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, solid two out of five uh, PMPs <laughs> on my scale. <laughs> All right. So I feel like I feel icky after talking about this movie now. Like I feel like it made me like it less having the conversation yeah about it. like i yeah. felt like came i came out of it like maybe giving it like a three mm-hmm. and the more we talk about it i'm like oh no this is a two <laughs> this is worthy of a two well, it, i was really interested going into this conversation because i was so ambivalent about it and after hearing you all talk about your emotional attachment to these various <laughs> parts of the movie that were <laughs> used and misused yeah. it's like oh yeah this would have been very disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Look at these people that I liked at this yeah. time in my life. What it is they very much like the yes. antithesis of Crossroads, where it's just yeah. like, yes. I want to see this person I really like. I hope the movie's good. And you're like, yeah. it is. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this was like, I hope this is good. Oh. It's oh. not fun. You guys, you guys tried. Yeah. I did yeah. not have fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to get the uh, terrible taste of uh, On the Line out of our mouths... Uh, let's go ahead and su- suggest some better things yeah. mm-hmm. in the real good segment here on this podcast. Sari, yes. what do you got as a real good? You should watch 10 Things I Hate About You. Ooh. Uh, okay. That's a good, that's a good, yeah. good choice. I think it's a good example of a rom-com and has, I think, similar trope-ish elements to this movie where mm-hmm. it's like, let's make a grand gesture to prove my love uh, and... I don't know. Heath Ledger's attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and what's also nice is that some of those tropes, like, I think that movie plays very well on, you're expecting this, but look, it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Like. There's also a level at which, like, some of the grand gesture-y stuff, just in general, when you are dealing with teenagers, there are certain (laughs) things that I am more willing to forgive when a teenager is doing a thing than when a grown adult is doing a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When a like grown adult is... is ruining his career to put up billboards around Chicago. <laughs> yeah. nope. No. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Heath Ledger, like, being, you know, making Goofy. a spectacle of himself in the middle, like, whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah it's like a very, it's a teenage movie made and cast and, like, set in high school, which is when these things should actually happen, not high school grudges that you're thinking of seven oh years later. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. So there's so many no. people that, like, I went to high school with that I don't remember their first name. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. My graduating class, I'm like, I would be, I would struggle to, rec- like, recognize them on the street, let alone hold a grudge against yeah. them. Yeah. 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 I think they said that Kevin was 24, which is now my age, and I was like, I can't imagine yeah. Doing that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think about high school ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, he seems to be obsessed with it. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, tell me yeah. about you. Like very, a nice palate cleanser. Very good. It's, it's good. fun and good and yeah. nostalgic and yeah, cute. Nicole. Okay, two things. One, if you want to go pop star movie, obviously Crossroads obviously, is the correct yeah, answer. Good, good so I just like have to have to put that. I already articulated that point. I want to reiterate that point here in this section of the podcast. <laughs> but also uh, because one of the other things that I mentioned that bothered me about this movie was the manic pixie dream girl thing. And so if you're going to watch a movie with that, that's good. You should watch Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless mm-hmm. Mind, which is basically about like deconstructing it in a very good way and also it's just a very good movie. Yeah. 
It's a very good, real good. I feel yeah. like yeah. I support both these very strongly. Yeah, those are, I was just like, what is a movie that I like? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Believe me, this is going to come to a screeching halt when we get to me. Uh, <laughs> Marianne, what is your real oh, good? Mine is not nearly. Well, I love it. It's probably not as relatable all right, as, all right. as Nicole's. I'm going to say, like, I brought it down to the very, very bare bones of what this movie was. Mm-hmm. Cinderella. Mm-hmm. So I love the 2015 Disney's live action. I think it's very adorable and endearing and like has a lot of like earnestness that I didn't expect, especially for me. I personally, I didn't grow up loving Cinderella, like the original Disney animated movie. Mm-hmm. And like this movie, I'm like, oh, I really like this. It's very endearing. So I'm just going to say that because it's like nice and enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. That's what oh, you okay. like from a movie. I have not seen that one, so I can... It's very um, good yeah. and very sweet. My recommendation is not necessarily a good movie at all, but it is when I saw... You did. You see it. It's a movie that I definitely watched one It's a movie I watched as a child and has a very similar plot, and from what I remember, was more enjoyable than when I watched this. Okay. So, if you can find it anywhere... Go watch Billboard Dad. Billboard Dad! <gasps> oh, yeah. It's a Mary-Kate and Ashley oh, film yes. where uh-huh. they have a single father who is very lonely and sad and like an artist or something, and they want to get him uh, a wife. And so they put up billboards, or at least at least one billboard in like Los Angeles, wherever they live, that's like, you want to date this dude? Call this number. And so it felt very similar. Like There's lots of scenes in that movie of like women who are totally not compatible wanting to be with him and him going on all these bad dates. So that's a better version of this. Someone that used Maybe. to do community theater mm. with has one line in that movie. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Do you know the line? I don't. He's oh. like surfer guy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I've never heard of this movie before, but the phrase billboard dad just sounds like something made up. Like a joke that you would say. Like, man, you're being such a billboard dad. <laughs> uh, I want one of my friends to like be in a situation where I can use that. Yeah. <laughs> or just like a shirt. Like, you're being such a billboard dad. Yeah, or just a shirt that says billboard dad. Like it seems like a McElroy thing or like something like weird it bizarre. Does. Pod t-shirts coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Just like random real goods that we recommended on trips. <laughs> Billboard dad. <laughs> Another one that just says, now it's not a movie, but. <laughs> well, yeah. Watch Billboard dad. I don't know where you could possibly find it. It's probably for rent somewhere, or maybe you have the VHS in your closet and it's dusty and you forgot about it. Uh, but it's it's fun, maybe? Who knows? But that does it for uh, this episode of Real Bad. Uh, I have been your host this week, <laughs> Matthew Gatos. With me has been... Marianne Fernanda-Silva. And where can they find you on the internet? I'm on all the internets, those social medias that I'm on, at Silva. And Nicole, where can they find you? You can find me at Sweeney Says on all the social media. You can also find my podcast, Snark Squad Pod, wherever you're listening to this or at snarksquad.com slash pod. And Sari. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at C.E. Riley. And you can also find me on the internet at Matthew Gatos and this podcast at Real Bad Pod. And Nick, is there anything else I'm forgetting? 
Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network, which is a collection of more than a dozen podcasts about movies, nostalgia, and, you know, Ryan Gosling. Head over to cageclub.me to check out the podcast Boyfriend Material, a podcast all about Ryan Gosling's work, hosted by Joey Lewandowski and Joe Two. Next week on Real Bad, we're heading back into a beloved franchise, and until then, this has been Real Bad.